Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Dia, and this is the very first episode of 2021. So happy New Year's to everyone. I started this podcast with a very specific theme and topic in mind.、Uh, I wanted to invite my friend Amanda Prushell on to chat with me about why some of the Brightest stars, I called it, are also the biggest challenges in our lives, and the biggest lessons and patterns that we often find ourselves in. However, as we started to talk about this topic, it sort of just spiraled into a variety of things, and I thought, how perfect! The first episode will be unscripted,、um, allowing the episode to have a evolution of its own and go in whichever direction it wants to be taken. So. I'm really excited for this episode. We talked about things like self-love,、uh, patterns that we go through, lessons we learn,、um, sort of separation versus connectedness. We talked about shadow work.、Uh, we talked about how we currently live in a world that bases so much of our self-identity and our worth on what we do instead of who we are, and how to reconcile with those.、Um, there's also some practical tips and advice, and just random things that we cover on this episode. So excited for you to listen! And if you have any thoughts or opinions, suggestions, please send an email to pathsbacktoyou@gmail.com. And also the Modern Pen Pal newsletters are going to be going out again. So if you want to sign up for that, it is. Pempals dot here with Dia dot com. Before we start, I just wanted to introduce Amanda. She is a human design guide. She's actually been on a previous episode discussing human design. She's also a Reiki practitioner.、Uh, she's passionate about helping people head back home to their most authentic self by using human design as a tool. Amanda is also a poet, traveler, and a seeker of truth and beauty in all things. So let's jump right into the episode. I want to start first by introducing this idea that I love, which is turn your mess into your message.、Um, I don't know if you resonate with that, and I remember reading as a teenager in some book, or I heard this somewhere that whatever has been the biggest challenge in your life, once you've overcome this, then you become the teacher and mentor, and then there from there on, you're able to guide others and sort of like shine the light、um, for that particular. You know, area of life. Yeah, it's been. I mean, that's been so true for me that all of the most difficult and challenging things that I've been through in my life are some of the things that I'm doing in my work now, and like some of the things that people will come to me and ask me for help, like getting through that thing in their life, like overcoming that hurdle. I think though. Word that is coming up for me a lot with these challenges and stuff that that we all have is gift. Like I, I keep,、um, you know, in my meditations and everything, I keep seeing like a present wrapped up and like gifts, and it feels like the word that I keep writing, like when I'm writing a poem or something, is gift. Like this is a gift. That is a gift, and. These challenges. When I look back, I think they're some of my biggest gifts from the universe, actually, which I never maybe would have thought I would ever be saying that about certain things in my life, but feels true. Right. I feel like it's funny you said gift because to me, when we're able to sort of、uh, dig and see the gift aspect of a challenging, let's say, challenging repeating pattern, I think that's also. 
um, when we've arrived at a certain place where there's acceptance. For example, if you accept exactly where you are right now, of course, not with everything, but in the general sense um, of acceptance, that's when you see that, oh, if all these other things hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't be where I am now. So it's like if you do have this amount of, I'll say, gratitude and acceptance towards whoever you are in this very moment, it's like you have to have this feeling of everything that's happened as a gift. Mm -hmm. Right. So like gratitude, I feel like ties into that for sure. And I think the more, the more that you go through a challenge and time passes and you see it as a gift, like the more that process kind of speeds up. And sometimes even now, and as I'm moving through the challenge, I'm like simultaneously seeing it as a gift. So it's, it's like the more that you do it, it's, it's like a practice. It's like anything else that you're practicing, but it becomes more natural to like have that perspective as you're going through it. I think it's kind of like this meta awareness. (laughs) You're like, oh, I'm feeling this. And then you're like, oh, these feelings are a pattern. And so instead of just immediately jump into whatever negative emotions we might have about this and being like, this is the first time it's happening. You're like, oh, maybe there is a lesson in here. So immediately it's like, this inquiry and curiosity to be like, why is this showing up again? Like, obviously it's something important or something I have yet to kind of, you know, reach. I mean, I don't ever believe there's a a destination, but like there's still other steps to, you know, walk towards on this particular journey or patterns. Gives us a better like anchored feeling versus just frantically like trying to hold on to things or trying to control or change or like just meeting with a lot of resistance. You're like, oh, I've been here before. So let's dig a little deeper, you know? It's like there's, your inner child is like going, moving through this experience and they're like feeling all the things and maybe like their traumas are coming up and maybe they're scared or worried or they're having these, whatever emotions they're having. And then your higher self is kind of looking down over the scene and they're like seeing the purpose of it all and seeing that you're going to be able to move through it because you've been able to move through it in the past and there's this again this like higher like perspective this zoomed out perspective and it's like both of these things can be occurring at the same time and the more that you know you can be in both at the same time because you have to move through life like with your inner child and you have to feel your feelings but then also like having that higher self perspective where you're kind of looking down at the situation, knowing that you can get through it, it makes the whole thing a lot more graceful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think grace is a word that both of us have had to tap into quite a lot, like last year in 2020. And I'm sure like yes. a lot of people had to do that too. Um, and I, I think probably I can speak for both of us. Um, and then let me know how you feel. It's like, we're talking about this, but it's not easy when it's happening. You know, when you, you're seeing like, oh, wait, this is happening to me again. Um, there's always that initial moment, perhaps the awareness hasn't settled in yet, or we thought we had already moved past this lesson that we've learned so many times and then only to have it happen again. Um, it can feel discouraging and frustrating. I feel like it's also important to acknowledge like that, 
sometimes these things will repeat themselves many, many times in different layers and different like manifestations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's easy to talk about it conceptually and to say, oh, your higher self will look down and you just need to zoom out um, your perspective. But when you're actually in it, in that, in that space of like the thing is happening today, right now, and you're in your bed crying, it, you just feel the chaos of whatever's going on and you're so in it. It's easier said than done. I wanted to maybe talk about personally, like, I think we have more than one bright stars. And, you know, um, I think that we have a variety of lessons and things we're meant to learn and embody in this lifetime. And there's just some that are overarching and larger and more prominent than others. So um, just to give kind of a more clear, definitive idea of what it might look like for an individual, like I thought perhaps you can share one of yours that you found and then I'll share one of mine. So go ahead first. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, but one that has been standing out to me um, because of my work with human design is the conscious sun gate that I have, which is gate six. And so gate six is all about like intimacy but it's about like it can be friction and it can be conflict and it can be uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so there's this, this idea of intimacy that doesn't always feel good. And it's not always like fluffy and warm and cozy, but rather it, it cuts through like the kind of, inauthentic behaviors that we sometimes like act out in relationships I always say like think of how close to someone you have to be to be like butting heads and rubbing up against each other and like causing that friction like you have to be very close and intimate with a person that you are in a disagreement with or you're in conflict or you're in um, a rather chaotic like an emotionally chaotic situation the depth that you can go with another person all of like the messiness that that entails (laughs) that feels like one of my like overarching lifelong bright stars that I um had so much struggle with in the past and I'm coming to see it now like I said before as a gift and like coming to see it as um one of my greatest strengths actually and something that I hope to continue to move into like helping other people navigate. What do you think? So can you just recap for me? Like what exactly is this star for you um, teaching you? Like how, how have you evolved? Um, I guess from, from seeing this pattern with people. Um, I think like everything always comes back to us ourselves right so like every experience that we're having it's like um any tendency that I've had to blame another person for not meeting expectations that I've held on to about them or anything like that it's like instead of um 
I'm the four agreements are coming to mind. Like the two that, that uh, have been really big for me are like not taking things personally. Um, and like being comfortable with conflict when someone gives it back to me, you know, mm-hmm. when someone asks me the tough questions, when someone, you know, turns the tables and they're like, well, what about you? Like, what do you want? What do you, um, what problems do you have? What, um, how am I not showing up in the relationship? I think that for me personally too, um, and I talk about this in my newsletter, I think one of my patterns has to do with love. And I know that's very ambiguous and like such a big word that we still don't really know how to define um, culturally. But I think one of my patterns has always been like feeling not lovable or unloved or like not worthy of love, um, not deserving of it. And then also feeling like, I give so much, uh, let's say previously in like past relationships or whatever, and then that I don't get any back. And then when I really take a look at it, whatever love I was giving was coming from a sort of selfish place because I, I, I probably was giving to receive in a sense or hoping for that, you know, reciprocation. Um, and ultimately, of course, I've been through that pattern so many times where, you know, and you hear about it all the time, right? Like, in order to love others, you have to love yourself first. And to a point where we're like, okay, whatever. I've heard this enough. I don't know what it means. I don't know how this applies to me. But And I was like one of those people until all these trials and tribulations, I was able to see what that means for me. And I feel like things like self-love is such a, a prominent pattern for so many people, you know, and this feeling of like worthiness and like deserving of, you know, being loved or whatever. So I think the pattern has at this point truly made me realize like whatever I think I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm not going to find it in another person in that sense. So, um, and I think only when in terms of the idea of self-love or loving, um, I think only when we come to that place of truly being at home and having that well of love that is ever flowing, that is supportive, no matter what, no matter what mistakes we make, all that all of those things, that's when we can even start to tap into this idea of unconditional love. Like if you have conditions within yourself of how much you'll love you today or or how much you'll like you today, then there's no way that you can offer it, you know, to anyone else. Yeah. Love is a big one in general in the world. And then for a lot of people individually, I think as well. And it's, yeah, I, I, I like what you said. It's like you, (laughs) when you kind of have those things, those ways that you want to be loved by someone else, like the real question often is how am I not giving that to myself? How am I not loving myself in these ways? And how am I trying to um, get that from another person outside of myself? And I think often when you start to love yourself in the ways that you really haven't before, you do start seeing that reflected in your relationships more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, That's quite a process and takes time. The more love that you have for yourself, um, the more that you do start seeing it reflected like in the relationships that you have and even like what you're willing to put up with and what you're willing to receive and, and the people that come into your life as well. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's both of like an external, what am I magnetizing into my, into my experiences and also just having that fountain of, you know, I'm not saying I have a fountain full of self-love. It's, it's a journey. It's probably going to be a forever journey, but it's easier to reconcile things like is what I'm feeling accurate is what they're saying an actual reflection of this thing. I think, you know, all these insecurities, fears, and doubts that we otherwise that would just amp up if this lack of, you know, self-worth or self-love was present. Um, I think so it's even like the process of working with self-love is just a, a service to, to ourselves. You know, it's like, there's more comfortable comfortability almost. You're not as anxious, you know, you're not, um, you're not as controlly, whether it's with expectations um, or just outcomes of things in general. So, but it's probably one of the harder, harder lessons because we do live in a reality where, you know, imperfections and not good enough are such heavy themes um, and just the striving, I guess, culture. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those things that we see are rooted in like this belief that we're maybe not lovable. Mm -hmm. Which is BS, by the way, every one of us and whoever's listening are all lovable, (laughs) just by being who we are. (laughs) By being human, by being alive. I think, yeah, we wouldn't be here if we, I mean, the amount of I don't know synchronicity that went into like you being here like alive on this earth at this time like whether you believe it's like random (laughs) chance maybe like your listeners don't believe in uh in like totally random chance like they might be more spiritually inclined but um I mean it's amazing that that you're even like here existing even if you're like really going through going through it really going through it (laughs) yeah but I always go back to this like if you had a choice and either you viewed everything as a coincidence or as a synchronicity um either you think everything is random or perhaps there is some magic that exists that we just haven't you know been able to scientifically prove or caught up to that yet in a concrete way it's like what would you choose you know if you can add a little bit more fun and play and light versus this doom and gloom you know, mentality, like, what would you choose? And I think that having some sort of optimism doesn't mean you're naive, like we can still be very much aware of all the suffering and pain and injustice that are happening. Um, But to have that centeredness, like anchored within, um, I think is what will provide the additional expansion when things are going when you're going through it, or when the world is going through it, you know, to like have perspective and be able to step back sometimes, because otherwise, it's just anxiety all the time right like just fear and anxiety and all those things yeah I that's so true and it's funny because um we were talking about gate 25 the other day and I just feel like everything that you just said right now was like your gate 25 speaking sorry it's like my human design brain always (laughs) comes through and I'm like wow I hear like hello gate 25 I hear you speaking like love of of spirit and and with that with that it's like this need to this energy of like we need to um really embrace this like childlike wonder about the world 
and how much beauty there is and how much magic there really is. Like you said, magic. Mm. I love the word magic because um, sometimes um, I actually just had a conversation with a friend and she was like, I'm kind of triggered by the word magic or using the word magic because I don't want people to think I'm silly. Um, And I think that um, we need to take back that word and, and use it more often because there is so much magic yeah and that and that goes back to love I mean I think that goes back to loving um loving yourself enough to like like to play and to like be in that wonder and that awe and um loving the world and like the magic of the universe is like part of that I think yeah I want to call it the art of (laughs) self-study it is an art and a science um and a you know a practice that should have more dedication it's with anything first you need to have awareness and then you have understanding and then you have sort of a deep knowing slash wisdom and it's from those places where things can mutate or i think alchemize or evolve right like without the awareness first you can't have understanding and without understanding you can't have knowing or wisdom and so all these things play into part of this art of self-study um i know that there's this idea that trying to learn so much about oneself is a little bit egocentric but I actually think it's the opposite you know we can't we can't know how we can serve the rest of the humanity or even just your own small knit community until we really figure out what's our strengths and how do we you know grow from the things that we haven't embraced or grow from the things that we've we lack you know understanding or insight and so to me there's nothing egocentric about self-studying it actually helps us show up better for everyone in every situation you know that we go through totally I totally agree that that there's there is this art form of really like looking at yourself because I truly believe that the entirety of human expression lives within each one of us. So here we are in this body and we can really look at every aspect of our own humanity. And in so doing, we can understand that everyone else is going through like their own unique journey as well. Yeah. And then whatever we end up repressing, we're gonna quote unquote, be disturbed by it when we see it in someone else, mm-hmm. you know, and like, it could be the simplest things. So this is like, if whoever's listening is not aware, we're like basically talking about shadow work at this point, yeah. <laughs> sort of embracing the entire spectrum of humanness that's, you know, um, existing within each one of us. And I, I always zoom out <laughs> with everything. And I just want to like, uh, take a moment, and acknowledge that, someone is someone's wrong behavior or if someone's hurt you or done something it's not like excusing their behavior and their actions um because those things have consequences and you know people should be held responsible for the things that they've done but it's asking you to add a layer of compassion instead of just immediately jumping to judgment and thinking that that person is the devil or whatever you know it's asking questions and I think that we all operate better when we ask more questions versus making assumptions or, you know, just hating something in someone else that you just cannot accept in yourself. 
I wanted to talk about three words and their roles in terms of like discovering our shiny stars um, or our lessons and navigating through them. So it's patience, acceptance, and gratitude. So let's first talk about patience coming up against our themed patterns. Do you have any thoughts? Patience is something that's been really difficult for me. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Sometimes I feel like when I've been doing the work, there's like this desire to have the results quickly or even like it's been two years like why can't this be solved by now why does another layer of this thing have to come up it's frustrating sometimes when I've been patient I've been rewarded with a better result at the end because I'm not I think that there's a connection between control and patience yeah I literally was thinking control and then from there on it's just resistance which we all know resistance creates more energy and friction in any given situation. I mean, I've discovered at least trying to control something. And I have a huge issue. I have a huge control issue with everything. Like I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know how you feel. Um, You know, I want to know how I feel like all these things. Um, And at the end of the day, I think, diving into astrology has kind of helped me with that just using that as a tool not as an excuse but as another layer of resource and being like hey a little funky these days let's see if we can wait it out you know it's okay that I'm feeling moody I don't need to fix it and then I always find that when you truly accept and we're going into acceptance it's so funny um when you accept that whatever negative feelings that we're having in the moment, it dissipates much quicker. Yeah, right? definitely. And I think speaking of acceptance, I think any kind of archetype work, astrology, human design, myths and stories, you know, finding those archetypes, something that I've been um, there, there's a book like women who run with the wolves that's coming to mind right now, where there's all these different archetypes that you can kind of see yourself in and identify with. I think that does help you accept where you are and then have a bit more patience with yourself or with situations where you do feel out of control. That's something that has really helped me come to acceptance a lot of times and has kept me from like making really rash decisions in the moment because I'm trying to control things and I'm trying to find out the answer now I I still have control issues obviously I said that already but it's this like anxiety um or it's like I just want to say this to someone or I need them to say something to me and I want to just jump in real quick and offer a practical practice, a practical way to handle when something like that happens um, to you is like call it out because it's real easy to spiral when you're trying to control something. And if you can, if you can have a moment to just like sit down or, you know, take a sip of water or whatever, and then just be like, I'm feeling like I want to control things right now. 
but there's literally nothing I can do. So I'm just going to sit with this and then kind of just try to breathe through it. Obviously, bigger things are way harder and probably some things are impossible to, to practice this with. But when it's small daily experiences or, you know, relationally with other people, I found that that kind of helps me. I don't know if you have anything that helps you with this control issue. Yeah. Um, something that came to mind while you were talking is I think uh, I read, I can't remember which Brene Brown book it was, but I read one of her books and she has this practice in it that's like a communication tool and you can use it with yourself or you can use it in a relationship. The framework is like you kind of sit and you take a moment right? And then you ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself right now? And you can communicate it to yourself out loud, you can write it in a journal, or you can say it to the person that you're, you know, or people that you're engaging with in that situation, that you're kind of wanting to control things. Um, Because a lot of times, I think we tell ourselves stories about what's going on, And again, like the four agreements I'm thinking of, like, don't make assumptions, right, is like one of them, that when I'm making an assumption for me to sit down and have a moment and look at what that assumption is, like, I can tell myself, the story I'm telling myself right now is A, B, C, and D. And then I compare it with the facts, like the actual hard evidence of what I have, like what I can know for sure compare these things and see like, okay, what's really going on here and then move back into that patience if Mm. possible. Right. And acceptance. Yeah. I actually have a good example, an easy one for that. And I'm aware of the Brene Brown thing and I love it. So imagine my boyfriend says to me, we made plans to see each other today. And he goes, Hey, I have to cancel it today. So the story that I'm telling myself is, he doesn't love me or there's more important things in his life than me. So then you realize this is just a story because the facts are, Hey, I have to cancel plans. We don't even know what the reason is yet. Right. So instead of spiraling into this, like I'm unworthy to be loved. Nobody's ever going to love me. This relationship is doomed. You know, using that method, if you are in a current, you know, argument or conflict and being like, so the story I'm telling myself because of this is that, there's other more special important things going on in your life and I don't matter as much. So then you give the other person the chance to be like, actually a doctor's appointment came up. This actually has nothing to do with you. So you when and then at this point, it's not even acceptance anymore. It's like, you're actually seeing the truth versus, you know, just freaking out for no reason. And a lot of us do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so real and such a common that happens to all of us that we that we do make an assumption and we do tell ourselves a story because we all have these underlying things that that we're working through and a big one for a lot of people is oh my gosh like I'm not important that person doesn't love me because you know insert story here (laughs) um right Right. and they're yeah they're just patterns they're conditionings that we've carried Mm -hmm. with us from whatever things that's happened um, yeah. nature versus or nature and nurture. And then like, you know, the stories are the patterns that might lead us to that shiny star, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of people this in the past year 
have been asking themselves if they're worthy because of like work-related things. Like maybe some people have lost their job or they're having to like work from home, but there's been a real focus on like productivity and work and what does it mean to work? And am I valuable if I'm not, I mean, a totally other topic, but you know, this is this kind of Western like capitalism productivity programming that we kind of have like culturally where it's like you working like 40 plus hours a week and outputting x y and z amount of of energy into your your job or your um, your profession or earning a certain amount of money or something like that because you're working x amount of hours busyness as like a badge of honor like self-worth has been equated with with productivity that looks a very certain way um and I think a lot of people are asking questions about those things. Can I rest? Is it okay to rest when I'm like working from home and I, it should be easier than this. Or like someone told me that I was lazy because I sit at my desk all day at home. And then I, you know, I don't know, whatever yeah. stories. Oh, yeah. stories and stories upon stories, but. Oh yeah. I think our worthiness, especially like, um, yeah, maybe perhaps in the quote unquote Western. And I, and I think it permeates throughout the whole world. Um, yeah. our worthiness is tied to our productivity, uh, how much we're doing. And I'm, I think I definitely have that programming in my mind, um, as a lot of us do. And it's like, yeah, once we take away your job, your career and your money, are you worthy of a person still? You know, like we attach our identity so strongly to what we do and not who we are or how we are, you know, with the people we interact with, um, that it's, it's really sad. And it's, I think it's damaging too. I I do think that like, we should, there should be a balance between acceptance and striving, but also I think it's been blown out of proportion and I bet that threw so many people down a hole last year. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's truly like taking someone's identity away. You know, like if I'm not working and I'm not earning money, who am I? What, what good am I for? And it's sad. It is. Yesterday, even, I tried to take a nap and I couldn't because I was just thinking of all of these things that I like should have been doing. Like I should have been answering one more email or I should have been I don't know sweeping my floor at least it just translated into the inability to even like take a nap when I'm so tired and the level of the quality of my work at that time the quality of an email that I'm going to reply to at that time is like very low because I'm exhausted and it's like 6 p.m and I have to be somewhere at at 8 p.m and like take a nap girl that's like you know like that's what I would say to a friend like why am I so hard on myself because I'm telling myself this story that like productivity is better than rest well rest Mm -hmm. is some of the most like productive work that we can do true true um and I I'd like to argue that again all these human qualities and characteristics are within us for the mere fact that if you're here you probably have the capacity for those traits. And so I think inherently all of us are lazy. We can be, 
But at the same time, I think there is a striving that's already inherent in us. That's why we've come so far um, and so fast as of late in terms of like all these different advancements we've had. Obviously, collectively, we've made mistakes, <laughs> tons of it in, in the past and, you know, present. But underneath of it all, like zooming out again, there is this shared commonality of human beings wanting to look up, look out, going forward, like move forward. Uh, so it's already inherent in us, you know, but we've pushed that part of it so hard and like so much that, you know, now like, yeah, it's this culture of quantity over quality. And, and going back to the like shadow work conversation, if you don't embrace the fact that you are sometimes lazy that's because I haven't fully embraced my own need for like rest. Well, I was just going to say that embracing laziness is, is in a way more productive because you don't yeah. even, because like then you can be like, yeah, I'm lazy. How do I work around that? Like just come out and say it. Like I am lazy sometimes. So now that I know this, now that I've embraced it, let's find, you know, um, constructive ways to, to work with that versus having an argument with someone about why you're not lazy feeling so much guilt or sh even shame you know about the fact that you might be lazy <laughs> or I wanted to talk a little bit more about how if you get really irked by other people's laziness that's probably a good moment to check in with yourself and see how in what ways you are also lazy even if you're the most productive person it's like why though you know, even if you're busy, like literally 24 seven or until the moment you climb into bed and even then you're still trying to answer work calls, then you just despise lazy people. It, that's a good moment to reflect and be like, why, why is this so triggering to me? Did I get shamed previously for being lazy? So now I associate productivity with, you know, self-worth and all this stuff. So again, I feel like this is leading into gratitude and Sometimes those triggering moments are the gem that shows us something we really need to see. <laughs> and so there's gratitude yeah. in that. And having gratitude for those characters, like those qualities that you have, having gratitude for your laziness, because you, that, that aspect of your humanity teaches you to chill out sometimes and rest. And sometimes the best creative ideas that I've had are when I've just been like, lounging all day and I don't know staring at a tree for like two hours I get the best idea for my work I wanted to talk about this idea that there's a lot of chaos and uncertainty always um, sometimes it's very personal to us sometimes we can see it in our neighbors sometimes it's affecting the whole world or our country or our city there's always been fear, uncertainty, and chaos. And one important thing for me lately is not turning away from understanding what's happening, but also really, really appreciating the most simple, mundane, ordinary moments. Mm. But I've just been feeling like, the ordinary moments when you just have a second and let's what you're saying, like you are looking at a tree or you're having a laugh with someone or like sharing a silly text that makes you laugh so hard. Like these moments, I think right now are so important to just like cherish. I think most people that I've, that I've talked to are like, 
you know, I really realized how much I can't control this year. I really realized that it, what's important. I really realized how much I actually love seeing my family and I haven't been able to, Mm -hmm. or I actually kind of like my job. I miss going to work or, you know, something like along these lines, these are different things that I've heard people say. Like I've been sending voice memos back and forth to like a few different friends lately a lot. It's like such a fun part of my day when I like sit down and I'm like going to chat with my friends and it's, yeah, maybe we don't have the same schedules or, you know, we're in different places, but we can keep in touch this way. And it's like, I can hear their voice and they can hear mine and we can exchange ideas or we can help each other out toward each other emotionally or whatever but it's that's that's been something for me that's been such a a joy in my life that is such a simple thing but it's connection and it's friendship and it's love and that's actually not simple at all that's like that's point of life yeah I know (laughs) it's so easy to forget it's so easy to forget like what drives us Because now there's all these things tacked on, all these layers, all these like, well, if you want happiness or joy, you have to have A, B, C, D, E, you have to achieve X, Y, Z, you have to look this way, you have, you know, all these things. And, um, and then at the end of the day, you're like, what, what brings me joy? What brings everyone joy? You know, like at the very fundamental level, it's having your, your basic needs met, having meaningful connections, um, spending quality time you know like doing what you love and you know with the people you do like obviously that foundational thing seems so basic now to us because there's all these extra things we can or we could have that somehow we think is going to elevate our experiences here but I really think that the things that bring us the most joy are the most basic things and and almost almost everyone, probably everyone have the same shared things. So it's having a moment of like, I, I know I can spend a lot of time mulling over things that don't make me feel good. How about now when I recognize there's a moment of just pure harmony and joy and like okayness, spend a little extra time in that, prolong it, you know, get deeper in that, make an imprint in your mind consciously and effortly or effort, whatever, with effort because why not? <laughs> because like at the end yeah. of the day, that's what really matters. Easier said than done. <laughs> important. Yeah, totally. I think it is important to be intentional about like digging into those moments of joy. Yeah. Cultivating like moments of, of things that feel good. And then I think that we do have to consciously imprint it. Something silly, like I want to remember this moment because it feels so good. You know, it's like a reservoir of things that will help anchor us and carry us through when the next wave, or that's a bad analogy right now, <laughs> when something challenging inevitably will happen to all of us. Um, and I think that just with anything, it is a practice. It is a muscle that we can strengthen. It is, you know, new neural pathways we can build um, instead of the ones that are kind of inherent and biological. So it's, it's an evolution, a personal evolution. Uh, And I think it's probably pretty necessary right now during these moments and these years. Well, I think that we can end this episode here today. I honestly don't even know how long it is. I'm going to have to go into it. 
And I'm going to be leaving Amanda's information um, in the podcast description. Is there anything that you want to share um, in terms of how people can find you just briefly right now? Um, yeah, you can find me. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. So at Reflector Life for Human Design Stuff and at Amanda Purcell for Life Stuff. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely leave those links in the show notes. So thank you guys again for listening to the very first episode of 2021. If you enjoy the episodes on this podcast, please give a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share with anyone who you think might also enjoy this content. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, just reach out to me on Pass Back to You on Instagram or send over an email with that same title. We also do have a Facebook group that you can join and it's private. And I think that's all for today. I will talk to you in the next episode.